But as the body is one and hath many members, and all the members of that one body, being many, are one body, so also is Christ. For by one Spirit are we all baptized into one body. Whether we be Jews or Gentiles, whether we be bond or free, and have all been made to drink into one Spirit. For the body is not one member, but many. If the foot shall say, Because I am not the hand, I am not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? If the ear shall say, Because I am not the eye, I am not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? If the whole body were an eye, where were the hearing? If the whole body were an eye, where were the smelling? But now God hath said, The members, every one of them in the body, as it hath pleased him. Welcome to the Unchanging Word Bible Study. Our teacher is Dr. John G. Mitchell. I'm after your hearts, not your heads, is a refrain often heard by college students in Dr. Mitchell's Bible classes. In his own words, his goal was to help you fall in love with the Savior, and his teachings always tended to fill your mind with the Lord Jesus Christ. He was also a pioneer radio speaker. In his day, there were no tape recorders, so he and his organist had to be at the station five evenings a week. He was heard live every weekday on radio stations in the Northwest. The Unchanging Word is an independent Bible study, but by the grace of God, we can still benefit from the ministry and teaching of Dr. John G. Mitchell. Life begins at Calvary, there my Savior died. He took my place and by His grace came with me to abide. All I need for living is mine by just believing. Life begins at Calvary. Our study today looks at the very important doctrine of the baptism of the Holy Spirit in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 13. Dr. Mitchell brings out the fact that this baptism of the Holy Spirit was spoken of by the Lord Jesus Christ himself in Acts chapter 1 and by Peter in Acts chapter 11. Well, here's our teacher, Dr. Mitchell. Thank you. Good day, friends. Again, we come to you with studies in the book or the epistle of Paul to the Corinthian church. We're studying together 1 Corinthians chapters 12 through 14, where we have the bestowal of gifts in chapter 12 and the governing of the gifts in chapter 13 and the exercise of the gifts in chapter 14. And we're in chapter 12 and we're dealing with spirituals. How the Apostle Paul is trying to, by the Spirit of God, to bring to the hearts and minds of these Corinthian Christians their place in the body of Christ and why they're there. And first of all, he takes up this question of spirituals. We've just been reading of the fact that there are diversities of gifts and there are differences of administrations and diversities of operations, but they're all by the same God, by the same Spirit, by the same Lord. And God has given to every believer some gift, in the body of Christ. The moment you say you belong to the Savior, then you're in the body of Christ. And not only so, but you have a particular place in that body for a purpose, the purpose of serving Him. And these different gifts, and I don't think that these verses from verse 8 down through verse 11, I don't believe there's the only, these are the only gifts. He's giving it to us, these are special gifts, 
which for which the Corinthian church was occupied. We had the gift of wisdom, of knowledge, of faith, the gifts of healing, working of miracles, the gift of prophecy, the discerning of spirits, the gift of tongues, interpretation of tongues. The thing that Paul wants to get to our hearts is that the Spirit of God is sovereign in the bestowal of gifts. Too often, people seek the spectacular gifts and ignore the fact that the Holy Spirit is sovereign in their bestowal. You say, well, Mr. Mitchell, we're told this to covet earnestly the best gifts. Well, okay, you'll be sure you're coveting the best gifts, not the least of the gifts. We have no right to say the Lord, I want this gift or I want that other gift. He is sovereign in the bestowal of gifts, even though I may covet the best gifts. The gift of wisdom, the gift of knowledge, uh, whatever it may be, the gift of teaching, gift of being a pastor, the gift of tongues, interpretation of tongues, whatever it may be. Even though I may covet these, God is still sovereign in the gift you shall have. He knows best what gift you should have for the edification of the body of Christ and the glorifying and magnifying of our Savior. And again, I must say that the Lord Jesus must be the very center of attraction in your heart, in your love, as well as your faith. You know, it's so easy for us to want what the other man has. So easy to have to want the other fellow's gift. No, God is sovereign. He knows the best gift that you should have. And he puts you where he wants you. It's not what gift I wanted. I'd like to be an evangelist. Everybody loves an evangelist. When you got to be a teacher, you step on toes. But I'm satisfied with the place God has given to me. It's for me to be faithful to him, whatever else anybody else does. And I read again in verse 11, all these worketh that one and the self same spirit, giving to each man severally as he wills. And as we walk in yieldingness to our Lord, the Spirit of God uses the gift he's given to you for the edification and for the unity of the body of Christ. Remember again, the church of Christ is not an organization, it's an organism. That means life. That means union. It's made up of all true believers. And the Spirit of God gives to each man severally as he wills. Now we come down to the fourth thing in the passage. Verses 12 to 31, to the end of the passage, from verse 12, we have the bestowal of gifts. We have the one body, the church. There are two or three things I want to say about this. First of all, the entrance into the body of Christ, verses 12 to 13. For as the body is one and hath many members, and all the members of that one body, being many, are one body, so also is Christ. For by one Spirit are we all baptized into one body. By the way, that body is Christ. Whether we be Jews or Gentiles, whether we be bond or free, and have all been made to drink into one Spirit. 
me just stop here for a moment. Our entrance into the body of Christ is by the Spirit of God. By one Spirit were we all baptized. Remember in verse 12, he says, we're all many members, all members of the body of Christ. We're one body, just as Christ. All be made to drink of that self-same Spirit. You know, the amazing thing is that God dwells in our midst, in his people. You never read of that in the Old Testament. You never read that about Adam, even before his fall. He was innocent, but not righteous. No mention made of the body of Christ. What about Abraham, his friend? You remember three times in the Bible, Abraham, my friend, Abraham, my friend. He was called the friend of God. He knew nothing of this. What about David? What about Moses? What about the prophets? No, it's something entirely new. God dwelling in the midst of his people individually. Our bodies have become the sanctuaries of the Holy Spirit. We've been bought with a price. We've been knitted together in one body by the baptism of the Spirit of God. By the way, this is the only place that explains the baptism of the Spirit. You take Matthew chapter 4, Mark chapter 1, Luke chapter 3, and John chapter 1. You remember that? John the Baptist said, I indeed baptize you with water, but there cometh one after me who is preferred before me, and he shall baptize you with the Holy Spirit, and so on. You have it in Acts chapter 1 where Jesus quotes from that passage when he said, John indeed baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days hence. And on the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2, they were all filled with the Spirit of God. They were baptized by the Spirit into the body of Christ, the beginning of the church, joined to a risen Savior, something entirely new, God indwelling his people. And then you come to chapter to chapter 11, where Peter again speaks in, in uh, coming back to Jerusalem after being down to the house of Cornelius, the house of a Gentile. You remember they put Peter on the carpet and he spoke about, then remembered I the words of the Lord. John indeed baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And who was I to withstand God? So you have six times it mentions, all man can do is baptize by water. God is the only one who can baptize with the Holy Spirit. And in 1 Corinthians 12, 13, is where it explains it by one Spirit, where we all baptize into one body, whether we, whether we Jew or Gentiles, whether we be bond or free, and have all been made to drink into that one self-same Spirit. Marvelous, marvelous thing, by one Spirit. And then from verses 14 through 18, we have the position of the members in the body of Christ. Now we were talking, you remember, in the beginning of the book, the chapter, God was sovereign in the bestowal of gifts. Now God is sovereign in the place each one of us have in the body of Christ. Notice verse 18. But now hath God set the members, every one of them, in the body as it hath pleased him. Look at verse 27. Now you are the body of Christ and members in particular. Now the Apostle Paul takes the body, our physical body, as an illustration of the body of Christ. 
Let me read it from verses 14 through 18. For the body is not one member, but many. If the foot shall say, because I am not the hand, I am not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? If the hand should say, well, you know, I don't have uh, my... I, the, if the foot should say, I'm not like the hand, I can't do what the hand does, hence I must not be of the body. That's not true. Because I am not the hand, I am not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? If the ear shall say, because I am not the eye, I am not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? If the whole body were an eye, where were the hearing? My, what, an up, what a terrible look, thing it would be, wouldn't it? If you were just one big eye, if you were just one big ear, if you were one big nose, <laughs> brother, what a sight to behold. No, God has given us different members, each one having a different capacity to serve. See, different function. The eye can't say to the body, because I'm not the ear, I'm not of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where were the hearing? If it were all he ear, where were the smelling? But now God has said, the members, every one of them in the body, as it hath pleased him. You see, the important thing is to find the place which God has given to us. And we cannot fully function until we come to that place. Oh, the tremendous need for you and for me to find where we are to serve the Lord in the body of Christ. And again, I say, please, don't say to me, Mr. Mitchell, I don't have any gift. I'm the weakest of God's children. Okay, but well, he's given you a place. Some has an eye. One looks like the eye, can see. If it were all eye, where was the hearing? If it was all ear, where were the smelling? If it was all nose, where were the feet? Where were the hands? See. So he goes on from verse 19. The relationship of its members, verses 19 to 24. In fact, it runs right down to verse 27. The relationship of its members. My want a need for this truth. Listen to it. If there were all one member... Where were the body? But now are they many members, but one body? If the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again can the hand say to the feet, I have no need of you, nay, much more those members of the body which seem to be feeble, more feeble, they're necessary. And those members of the body who think to be less honorable upon these, we bestow more abundant honor. And our uncomely parts have more abundant comeliness. For our comely parts have no need. But God hath tempered the body together, having given more abundant honor to that part which lacked, that there be no schism in the body. Ah, here's the reason for it. Here's the relationship of its members. The best place for you to function in the body of Christ is where he's put you. You know... Some people say, and I'm saying it because they've said it to me so often, you know, I wish I had somebody else's gift. My, I wish I could teach like so-and-so. My, I wish I could preach like so-and-so. Why do you want the, the public gifts? They're not the only gifts. As I said in a preceding lesson, 
in Ephesians chapter 4, God has given gifted men to the church, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers. Well, these are gifted men. What for? For the building up of the body of Christ to prepare the body to function. And every member in the body of Christ has a place to function. Even though you may be an uncomely part, even, more, even though you may say you're the weakest of God's children, yet, but my friend, we need each other. I need the ear to hear. I need the eye to see. I need the nose to, to smell. I need the hand to feel. I need the foot to walk. But I also need my joints. Every joint supplies, as Ephesians 4 says in Colossians 2, every joint supplies. You know, a joint is a very small thing. You can't see a joint. It comes between two bones. You know, if, my, if I have a stiff knee, if I have a stiff knee, that affects the whole body. I try to walk and my leg is stiff. There's nothing wrong with the bones. What's the matter? Why, that little old joint is not doing its job. What's the job of a joint? To lubricate. That's why when you, when you walk, you, the, 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 the joints lubricate between the bones so you can walk. You have no trouble. If it doesn't lubricate, you have a stiff knee, you have a stiff leg, whatever it may be, a stiff arm. You might be the smallest thing in the body of Christ, brother. You might just be a joint. But you know, we need a lot of joints. Do you ever stop to think how many joints you have in your body? Huh? Now, don't ask me because I don't know, but there must be scores of them, joints all over, joints. Take your hand. How many joints have you got in your hand? Try and think of how many joints you have in your hand. If they were all stiff, what in the world would you do with your hand? And you know, in the body of Christ, there are plenty of joints. You see, Mr. Mitchell, you know, I'm the weakest one. Okay, okay, you're a joint. But boy, do we need lubricators among God's people. They keep the things moving smoothly. You know, there's some Christians, some Christians, when you come, you're full of criticism. You come to them and they're smiling and, you say, and they get you occupied with a savior. You see, do you know what she's doing? She's a joint. She's lubricating. God give us more lubricators among God's people. Maybe that's all you are, just a joint. But believe me, you've got a vital place in the body of Christ. And even the neglecting of the assembling of ourselves together is a sign of spiritual declension because each one of us need each other. You need me. And brother, I need you. Oh, Mr. Mitchell, what can I do for you? You can pray for me. You can pray for all the folk who listen in. You pray for some who are not Christians and they're still listening in. Pray for some Christians who are torn asunder. Some are bitter. Some are discouraged. Boy, what a need for intercessors. You've got a place in the body of Christ. And when you go to church, you see, I just sit there. Yes, and you can be a joint to lubricate. You know, this is what God wants. What for? If I take my place in the body of Christ, whatever it is, you might just be an usher. That's what David talks about in the Psalms, about the ushers. You know, that's a real gift. 
Everybody can't be an usher. Why, you see, anybody can. No, they can't. Some men are so awkward they couldn't usher if they wanted to. They're on pins and needles while they do it. Other men, they just delight to take you down the aisle and take you to a good seat, always on the lookout for a seat for you to sit where they know you want you to sit. Huh? Gift of ushering. Whatever it may be. But God's got you, if you're a Christian in the body of Christ, you've got a special place to function. Now, the reason for that is verse 25, that there should be no schism in the body, but that the members should have the same care one for another. When one member suffers, all members suffer with it. Or one member be honored, all the members rejoice with it. Now you are the body of Christ and members in particular. Well, you notice this, please. There to be no divisions in the body. We are in the body for the purpose of functioning, to build it up, as I've been mentioning it here in Ephesians chapter 4. And I can't afford to separate myself from God's people. Why? Because I've got a place to function. It may be a small place. As I say, I may be an usher, or I may just be a joint lubricating. But I've got to be with God's people to function. And you remember the book of Hebrews, chapter 10, 25. Let us not neglect the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, and much more than, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. But Mr. Mitchell, I don't know where to go. I can't find a church. No, you're looking for a perfect church? You won't find one. A local assembly? You won't find one. Maybe they need you. Maybe, maybe you haven't been functioning in your local assembly. Well, what can I do, you say? You can be a joint. You can be a joint. You can present the Lord Jesus Christ. And remember, when one member suffers, all suffer. And there are some people in your assembly who are suffering. They need someone to love them, someone to understand them. Oh, but you say they're ornery. Well, be that, maybe that's why they're ornery, because nobody ministers to them. Just a kind word, an encouraging word here, an encouraging word there. Be a joint, you see. Manifest something. You've got something nobody else has. And I know some people in the body of Christ and the assemblies, uh, they've got no public gift at all. They go to meetings, and as far as you know, they don't do anything. But you know what they do? They're the greatest folk to comfort others in trouble. They do it quietly. Uh, nobody knows what they're doing. They do it as unto the Lord. They encourage this one. They support the other one. They pray for somebody else. But they're functioning in the body of Christ. Let there be no schism. And when we take our place in the local assembly and function, you've got no schism. You've got a warm, warm spirit. You feel people come into the church and they feel the love of God in your midst. So how can that be? Because of the preacher? No, no, not necessarily so. But because of the oneness in Christ. This is what we need to see. I'm sure it must grieve the heart of our Savior as he sees God, people divided up, one fighting another. 
and some pulling out and some doing this and some doing the other thing and some are bitter and some are cold and indifferent. Oh, God grant you and I will so walk before the Savior, acknowledging him as our Lord and Master, that we're joined to him and because we're joined to him, we're joined to each other. So that when people come to your church, they'll experience the love of Christ among us. Oh, God grant, if you're just a joint, if you're just an usher, whatever it may be, or you may have helps just to help people out, just to be a helper. That's all part of the process of edifying, building up the body of Christ. You think about that. May the Lord bless you today for his wonderful namesake. I think of Jesus dying on the cross for me. Thine Lord would I be, freely giving up his life from sin to set me free. Thine Lord would I be. Thank you for listening to the Unchanging Word Bible Study today. And so until next time, this is the Unchanging Word Bible Broadcast. Life begins at Calvary.